Hey, I'm gonna ask you a question to start everything out today. I just wanna ask this question. What are you passionate about? What excites you? I want you to just think about that in terms of is what you get excited about the things that God gets excited about in your life. Can we just stop and consider that for a moment? I think we get passionate and excited about a lot of things, am I right? Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was very excited. I got tickets at the last second to go see Notre Dame take on Clemson. And listen, that was an amazing experience. Uh, Notre Dame had no chance at winning that game, total underdog, and then they came in and just cleaned Clemson's clock. It was an extraordinary moment. Shared that with my son, and that was the first time at a, any, like, any sporting event that a play happened. It was a 96-yard interception return for a touchdown. The play took so long to develop, and the people were screaming so long. I started seeing stars. I almost blacked out. We were like yelling. So like, ah! It was amazing. And, and you think about that like, oh, man, I was passionate about I was excited about that moment. And uh, yesterday, you know, I could have gotten tickets for the Notre Dame game for $9 on StubHub, 9 bucks. But it was 25 degrees and a snow blizzard. And I said, no, nah, I'll pass. I'm good. <laughs> so I'm excited about it. I'm passionate about that, but not that passionate, okay? Some of you are crazy enough to do that. Good for you. I bet it was a blast. Like, at least the part you could feel, you know, before your fingers fell off. Uh, but there's like a limit to the passion level, right? Like, eh, okay, I'm excited about it, but not that excited. And, and I want to challenge you today to be careful not fall into the trap that, man, I can be excited about my relationship with God, but not that excited, you know? This idea of being relentless, this idea of going all in, that's where life is lived to the fullest. And we've been talking the last few weeks about Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, and specifically focusing on Peter. Uh, Jesus, one of his favorite disciples, one of his closest friends, who had a total fail at the end of the story. Jesus is, is taken away. He's arrested. Peter's saying to him, hey, it doesn't matter what happens. I'm with you to the end, Jesus. You're my guy. And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, Peter, that's cool, but before the end of the night, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, what? No, no, stop it. And sure enough, Peter, total fail. Denies Jesus three times. A little servant girl says, hey, I think he's with one of, he's one of Jesus' disciples. He's like, no, and he runs off crying. It's, it's a terrible, terrible moment in the life of Peter. And yet, man, God reinstates him. Jesus forgives him. And not only does Jesus forgive him, after he rises from the grave, there's this beautiful moment where he tells Peter, not only do I forgive you, but Peter, it's you that I'm going to build my church around. You are going to lead the charge. I'm redeeming everything that was broken and lost. Peter, I'm redeeming you. And so in Acts chapter 1, after Jesus ascends into heaven, it says that all these disciples, they met in the upper room together, and that was when the Holy Spirit came down upon them, and they just didn't even know how to handle this. It was the first time they'd experienced this kind of power. The Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of Jesus is inside them. They all went out in the streets and began speaking in such a way that everyone around them could understand what they were saying in their own language. And Peter gets out there and just preaches this extraordinary sermon that, remember, if you were here last week, it begins with the opening line, hey, these men are not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. If you were here last week, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you, have no, if you weren't here last week, you missed out. But that's how the, this amazing sermon started with that line. We're not drunk. It's 9 a.m. I think that's great. I think that's great. Because you can redeem any sermon. If, if the best sermon ever told by Peter started that way and ended with 3,000 people accepting Jesus and being baptized. I mean, that's extraordinary, right? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. So... Peter leads with the power of the Holy Spirit, and he discovers his purpose. He discovers his why. 
This is why I have been created. This is why Jesus invested in me. I am now the one who's to be the mouthpiece for Jesus and spread the good news to everybody I can. And Peter from that day forward was relentless. He was all in, single-minded, focused. He was fierce. He was not holding back anything. And because he found his purpose, that leads to what we're talking about today, he discovered his true passion. He couldn't not talk about Jesus. It says in Acts 4, Peter's talking again with Paul. He says, we are compelled to preach this good news. We can't stop. This is everything to us. This is what we are passionate about. This is what we are excited about. And I want to encourage you today that when you are passionate about your relationship with Jesus, when you are passionate about how he has changed your life, when you're able to share, hey, I am not who I once was. Jesus has changed my life. I want you to know that the passion you bring to the table, it matters. People see that you're excited about something, and you're excited because it's real. It's changed your life. And I want to encourage you to lean in today to being passionate about what God is passionate about, to re remember what He has done in your life, to recognize He's placed people in your life that He is calling you to be a part of their story. You get to be a part of their journey of saying yes to Jesus. He has called us to go on this mission and invite as many outsiders to a changed life as we possibly can. That was his mission, Luke chapter 5. We've been talking about this a lot for the last year. Jesus said this, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? I'm here inviting outsiders, not insiders, an invitation to a changed life, changed inside and out. And I want to just confirm with you today, Peter, he was filled with power. He found his purpose, and that renewed his passion. He was unstoppable. He was relentless. And what I love about this is that the result of that, the result of that passion, the result of Peter leaning into who he was called to be, it results in this beautiful picture of the early church that we see in Acts chapter 2. And it is truly a beautiful picture. Here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. This is a description of all those people who said yes to Jesus and gathered together. This is the first uh, description of us, the local church. It says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. What a beautiful picture of the early church. There is joy. There is generosity. They're sharing everything that they have with each other. People see that something is different. They are passionate about what God is doing and the story that they are a part of. And that was contagious. I'm telling you, when you are passionate, when you are excited about something, that joy, oh man, just all of the excitement and energy that is going into that thing, it is contagious. People want to be a part of something that you are passionate about. And because of that passion, people were added to their number every day. They saw what Jesus was doing. They saw that this was real, this was alive, and they wanted to be a part of it. Today, uh, we're going to experience something special together. Uh, I have a, a friend with me today, uh, John and Shirley Fisher. They are in the house. Can you give it up for John and Shirley Fisher? They are in the house uh, today. Uh, John and Shirley have been missionaries in Ecuador 
uh, for the last 15 years, and they are actually wrapping up their assignment in Ecuador and moving back to the frozen tundra of Kansas City. I apologize for that, it's Kansas City. John, can you welcome John again? I, I'm so glad he's here with us today. Um, so John, before, before you share your story, I've asked John to share his story today because uh, his journey is a game changer. And about 10 years ago now, 2012 I think it was, we took our first trip to Ecuador, and this was an experience that changed so many people's lives here at Crossroads, but it was an experience that, that changed me too, because what I saw in Ecuador, in a place where people have almost nothing, you see this picture of the early church, you see joy. You see generosity, you see passion about what Jesus is doing because it is alive, it is growing, it is amazing. And John's been able to be on the front line of that for the last 15 years and to experience what God has been doing. And he's got a great story to share today. So can you just give him a warm welcome as he shares the story today? Thank you. <laughs> oh, good morning. It is good to be here today. Uh, I almost feel like coming home, we were able to watch services at, from Crossroads while we were in lockdown in Ecuador for two years. Uh, look forward, actually, every Sunday seeing the services online. So we really appreciate that opportunity that we are given. Um, before I get too far into this, I want to just mention we have a table set up out there in the lobby. Uh, my wife will probably be out there shortly after the service, and I'll be out there too to answer any questions anybody has. But couple things out there we'd like for you to pick up. One would be our prayer card. If you'd be willing to pray for us, we'd really appreciate that. Pick up our prayer card. We uh, actually, the last 14 years have been in Ecuador, and the 15 years before that, we were in Venezuela. And so after 29 years, now we're back home, and this entire year we've been traveling around. We still have a little bit to go. Um, but be praying for us if you would pick up a prayer card uh, and other we have another prayer card out there that's actually our daughter Krista and her husband uh, Angel and our grandson Samuel they just left in January of this year to go to Ecuador to take over the work that that we've been doing down there and so they're going to be working with the work and witness teams that are down there but we'd appreciate it if you'd pick up a prayer card off the table back there and pray for us or pray for them uh, and if you only want one prayer card, pick up theirs because they're just getting started and they're, they're going to need it. Um, when, when I get introduced as the missionary and I'm here speaking as a missionary, sometimes I wonder, what are people thinking? What do people know about missionaries? I grew up in the church and I knew that missionaries were going to be one of four things. They were going to be either a doctor, uh, maybe a, a nurse, maybe a teacher, maybe a preacher. Um, not me. I'm an accountant. And so uh, I, I didn't know they needed accountants on the mission field. I found out later that they, they do actually need accountants. But I think in my mind I had some ideas of what would make a really good missionary. One was I thought missionaries would, if, to be a really good missionary, they got to be the ones that are good at getting up in front of churches and speaking like this. I hate this. This is not my favorite part of the job. I like to be out building the churches. I like to be out actually doing the hands-on of the building of the job. Another thing I think about, missionaries, they're going to be, I like to, I, I like to call these kind of people the meter greeters. Meter greeters are the ones that can just go into a room and they can meet everybody and greet everybody. And especially in South America, that is critical because the greeting is very important to our, our, our friends down in Ecuador. Uh, I've learned over the last number of years, they really don't consider the greeting unless they touch the person. And I, during COVID, that kind of all got messed up, but uh, normally it would be a handshake. The guys would handshake, and the guys and the ladies would kiss on the cheek, or the ladies and the ladies kiss on the cheek. Now, guys and guys, no kissing on the cheek. That's Argentina. You can't do that in Ecuador. <clears throat> but 
You know, I, I, I just think that the, that greeting during COVID, they couldn't do the handshake. Government said no, no doing the normal greeting. Actually, the government got involved and said, we can't get that close. So they started coming up with a long distance fist bump or maybe even a kick or whatever it was, but they still had to have that touch. I had a, an opportunity in my shop. One day I was working in my shop there at the seminary in, in Quito, Ecuador, and I was doing some welding, building some trusses for one of our churches. And one of my workers came in and I, I knew he was standing behind me. And so I flipped up my shield and I turned around and I said, oh man, good morning. We got a lot to do today. Let's get busy. And he just stood there. And I knew what he wanted. He wanted that official greeting. He wanted that handshake. He wanted like, hey, you, you, we got to do the greeting before we can work. And I said, man, let's just get busy. We got a lot, of, lot to do today. And he said, and he just stood there. And I said, I know you want the greeting. I know you want the handshake, but man, I had my gloves on and I was busy. And I was like, I said, let me just quickly tell you a little bit about my culture. In my culture, I said, you can walk into a room and you can just kind of go, hey, and that covers the room. You don't have to go and touch everybody and get that greeting. And he just was like, that, that can't be a greeting. And I said, let me go a little further. I said, if you just meet with some guys, you can walk in the room and just kind of give a little head nod. And that's good enough. And he's like, that is not a greeting. And I said, look, when we're outside the shop, I will greet you. I will do the handshake. But in here, let's just get busy today. And so we got to work. But I mean, if they were the meter greeters, that is who would make a really good missionary, especially in South America. I think of missionaries, the ones that can learn languages quickly. There are people gifted. They hear a language and man, they, they're speaking a new language. I don't know how they do it. Shirley and I have been struggling for 29 years to learn Spanish. People say, aren't you fluent by now after 29 years? No. We've been working at it and we do fairly well, but man, we're not fluent. Our daughters, who were one in three when we moved to the mission field, they are fluent in Spanish. Unfortunately, they would come in from the park learning Spanish with the kids in the neighborhood. I'd have to call up the local pastor to find out if they were good words or bad words. Many times they were not words that they should remember. And so I'd have to say, your park Spanish, you are fluent, but park Spanish, maybe not what we need in the church. You know, I think, uh, and there are gifted people that do that. Another thing I think about, missionaries, they, they are the ones that like to try new foods. I get that opportunity. Tim was telling me, Pastor Tim out there in the lobby, he was looking at our little display of our guinea pig out there, which is a delicacy in Ecuador. And he was saying how wonderful it was when he got an opportunity to try that. I had an opportunity a number of years ago to go to the southern part of Ecuador with our director and we went to visit our Shuar churches, our Shuar Indians. They're known in history because they're headhunters. And thank goodness the government of Ecuador has outlawed headhunting so we can go in and visit our churches and know that when we come out, we'll still have headhunt intact. But we went in that day and I knew there was going to be a special meal prepared and so they had, uh, they brought out after church, we gathered and they brought out the special uh, part of the meal and it was monkey. I'd not had monkey before that and uh, it really wasn't bad because it was a smoked meat um, and so I was okay with that. And then they brought out the special drink and that's called chicha and from our time in Venezuela I knew chicha to be a rice and milk drink and so I was good with that. But Schwar make their chicha just a little bit different. What they use is yuca. Yuca is a root like uh, potato. We've actually had it boiled in our soups and fried. Fried, it's really good. It's like french fries. So yuca is not bad. But then what they do is they take that yuca, they give it to the ladies to prepare the drink. And these ladies will take it and they'll chew it up. And then they spit it out in a bowl. And they take that bowl and they set it out in the sun to get good and warm and ripe and smelling wonderful. 
And then, because we're visitors, we get to stand in a circle and pass that bowl around and take a drink. Yep, it was not good. But we have that opportunity. And I have people that come down on work and witness trips and they'll say to me, what's a food or drink that we could get here in Ecuador that, that we, can't, we don't have in the States, but we want to try something different while we're down here? And I'm thinking, why would anybody ask that question? They, they should be the missionaries. But what I've realized, that in my mind, I kind of created this box that all missionaries would fit in. But you know, God doesn't look at that box. God looks at our heart. And when God asks us to step up, he does not look in, at that. And I believe that whether we fit in the box or not, God equips us and enables us to do whatever he's asking us to do. I went on a work and witness trip to Venezuela some 30, 32 years ago. I met a missionary, he didn't fit in the box. I had a lot of questions for him. All day I spent working with him, I just asked him a lot of questions. How he got there, what he was doing, and what he did before he went there. And Because uh, all he was doing was building churches. He, he, he wasn't what I considered a missionary. He was just there building churches. Got to the end of the day and he said, I've answered all your questions all day, let me ask you one question. I said, yeah, go for it. And he said, when is the last time that you stepped out in faith? not knowing how you would get to where God was leading you to go unless you allowed God to get you there. And I thought at first that would be an easy answer because I grew up in the church and I know all about faith, at least I thought I did. But I really got stuck trying to answer that question because if for me as, as an accountant, man, I got to put the numbers on the paper. I got to make sure it balances. I got to make sure the resources are there. I got to make sure we got it covered. I, that, that's just the way my mind goes. And if you can figure it out and you have it all planned out and you have all the resources, that's not a step of faith. A step of faith is where you can't figure it out. You don't have all the resources, but you know God is saying, hey, I need you to do this. And all we can say is, yes, Lord, I'm willing, but I don't know how it's going to come about if you don't work through me. Well, we went to the mission field. Uh, the missionary challenged us. We stepped out on faith in 1992. We left for what would be one year uh, as volunteers in Venezuela. God changed that one year to be many years, eight years as volunteers, and then the Church of the Nazarene put us on contract, which basically means they started paying us. And since then, we've been in Venezuela and Ecuador, and our job has been working witness teams. And when we say working witness, a lot of people know those short-term missions trips are, are, are mainly to go and build, to do work, and there's a lot of other ministry involved, and hopefully some witness, because it is called work and witness. I brought a picture today I wanted to show somebody not doing the work, but doing the witness. I don't know if you can see Pastor Tim there. He's, uh, and I don't understand. He doesn't speak Spanish, and our district superintendent doesn't speak English, but somehow... Somehow they're communicating. But work and witness is to go and evangelize and do some work and, and to, to be out there on the front line. And our job was to host the teams. And Pastor Mario, the guy that uh, the district superintendent that, that Pastor Tim was talking to, I, I just call him Super Mario for short. <laughs> Super Mario has planted 19 churches in the last nine years. But really, we can't count two of those because that was COVID and he hardly could get out of his district center. So for seven years before COVID hit, he's planted 19 churches. Pastor Mario's teamed up with Compassion International. Compassion International organization that likes to sponsor and help kids. And they like to help the physical needs of the kids and the church is getting involved and we want to help the spiritual needs as well of those kids and those families. 
And they came up and we've worked with Compassion International and a lot of our churches and normally Compassion would say if you have a pastor in a building and people that can work with the kids, we'll allow you to have a program to work with kids in your community. But Compassion International came to Pastor Mario. Uh, they came to Super Mario nine years ago and they said we want to go work in areas where there are no kids, where there are no churches. A lot of kids but no churches. How can we work with those? Can you, would you be willing to plant churches in those areas? so that we can work with kids. And so Pastor Mario came up with the idea that they would partner with Compassion and Compassion will allow the sponsorship of 200 kids in a community. And Pastor Mario, his job as the district superintendent is to find a pastor that would go into that community and start a church. Now you might think that would be easy, but not all pastors are interested in starting a church with just 200 kids. Some of the pastors said, give me a few adults to help me. I can understand that. 200 kids. It's quite a project. Well, Pastor Mario brings in a, a pastor, a local pastor that's willing to stay there and start, start the program, start the, start the church with those kids. And you know those kids all have families. They have parents, they have grandparents, brothers and sisters. And that's the target of who we want to get to know and who we want to bring in to our churches. I, we've had an opportunity as we've been out there building in these different areas, building some churches. I've walked down the street with the pastor and and he's greeting everybody. We're on our way to the hardware store and he's just greeting everybody on the way as we go. And I said, Pastor, how do you know all these people you're greeting? You've only been in town a couple months. How do you know so many people? And he said, they're all parents of the kids that come to my program. I've met them all. I've been to their houses. I've asked them how we can pray for them and we're getting to know these families. And that's what it's going to take to, to plant these churches in these communities get to know the families and let them know who we are as the Church of the Nazarene and their community and why we're there, why we want to help the kids. We don't want to just help the kids, but we want to help the families. We asked Pastor Mario, we said, Mario, what is it that gives you the drive to plant all these churches? 19 churches in seven years, believe me, that's quite an accomplishment and more than all of our other district superintendents uh, have done. And we said, Mario, you spend so much time on the road away from your family, you're out there planting these churches, why? And Pastor Mario said, let me just tell you a little bit about my testimony. He says, I grew up in a family and it wasn't a Christian family. My dad was an alcoholic. My dad would come home at night and he'd be drunk and he would abuse me and my brothers and sisters and my mom. And Mario said, I grew up to hate my dad. And I couldn't wait to leave home when I got old enough that I could get out of there, out of that situation. And it wasn't until somebody planted a Nazarene church three blocks from our house. And when that church was planted there, somebody invited my dad to church. And my dad went to church. And my dad heard about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. My dad gave his life to the Lord and my dad's life changed. And Mario admits, he says, I wasn't so, so eager to just believe it was going to change. I had to actually see a change happening before I was willing to go with my family to the church. But eventually I saw that change happening in our family and I went to church and as a young teenager, I as well gave my heart to the Lord. And Mario says that he got called in to, to be a full-time pastor and now he's our district superintendent in charge of a big area and a lot of churches. And he says, I just know that in all the communities out on my district, there's families in the exact same situation that my family was in. And it won't be until we take Jesus Christ to those families that their, their lives can change. We need to be out there. We have the answer. We've got to take Jesus Christ to those communities. 
And so Mario says, as I travel around and I visit my different churches, I look across the mountain and I see another community I've not visited. And I try and figure out how do I get there? What road will take me there so I can see if we can plant a church in that community? And Pastor Mario is planting churches and he says, it's not just enough that I'm, not just enough that I'm, 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 te I'm feeding the kids, but I want to teach the kids. And so he's created what he calls the three schools. He's got a school of sports where he's teaching the kids soccer. He's, he's brought in a coach that will be there to help the kids play soccer. They want to learn that. They want to come to the program. They, they want to be there. He's got a, an arts and crafts thing, which is uh, choreography and some art stuff. And uh, there's kids that don't like sports and go that way. And then there's music. He's got an orchestra. And he's teaching these kids how to play musical instruments that normally they don't get to play. And Pastor Mario says, I don't just want to feed the kids and help them in a classroom, but I want to teach them some things that they can use. And all these kids are using things that they're learning in their lives, in the church, in the praise teams at their churches. When Mario came to me first and he said, hey, I want to go out and plant some churches, I said, what is the first one you're going to do? Because I want to, I want to, I want to get some teams down here and I want to start building some buildings. And he said, well, I've got five locations picked out where I'm going to start. And I said, whoa, but give me the first one. That's the team I've got to raise to come down. And he said, well, I believe God's asking me to start these five projects. So we're going with all five. And I said, oh, but Mario, it would be better to start with one. And then when that one's going, go to the second. When that one's going, then go to the third. And he said, no, God's asked me to step out in faith. He says, I don't know where the resources will come from, but I'm starting these five churches. You see, when God speaks to us and asks us to step out in faith, he really doesn't, ask, he doesn't speak in a voice loud enough that those around us can hear that call. But we hear the call. When God speaks to us and asks us to step out in faith, we need to respond. There might be people that say, well, wait a second. Uh -huh, is that a good idea? Hopefully everybody will get on board with what we're doing with God's call in our lives. I was that negative voice for Mario saying, well, slow down, Mario. And he said, nope, we're going forward. And we got on board and we were behind him and we've been able to build a lot of churches and help out and, and in all these communities. You know, when I talk about stepping up in faith, stepping out in faith, uh, as a missionary, uh, for us that was to go for the mission field for one year, which became many more years. And it might be that I'm talking about stepping out in faith is to go to the mission field, long term, short term. But it could be stepping out in faith is being called to be a pastor, youth pastor, children's worker, even just helping in the children's area. It could be stepping out in faith is just even going to talk to your neighbor and saying, hey, things are happening in our church. Come with me. I, you got to experience this. Great things are happening. God's moving. And you might say, well, I do that all the time. That's not a step of faith. Well, it might not be for you, but for others, that could be a step of faith. But we need to say, God, what do you want me to do? Speak through me. Help me. In Ephesians it says that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. What are we asking? What are we imagining? You know, more and more we come back to the States and we're allowed to speak in churches and share about what God's doing and what Super Mario and all the churches he's planting. But one thing we found to be true, and I, I believe it's probably true here in this community, right outside the doors of this church, it's a mission field. It could be different cultures, different languages, but maybe not, but it's still a mission field. And if it's a mission field out there and you're in here, that means you're the missionaries. 
Is God asking you to step out in faith? Immeasurably, God wants to do measurably, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Man, what are we asking for? For our families, for our communities, for our churches? God wants to do more. He's waiting on us. I'm going to end with the challenge, that same question that was given to me so long ago, 30 years ago, that missionary asked me, when is the last time that you've stepped out in faith? Not knowing how you'd get to where God was asking you to go unless you allowed God to get you there. It's a great place to be because when we accomplish something great, we can't say, look what I did because we didn't do it. God did it. All we can really say is glory to God for what he was able to do when we just said, yes, use me. Thank you. Uh, I, love, I love that. Uh, I love to see what God is doing, and I love to see what happens when people do step out in faith, because that's when God shows up. And you know, we've been asking for the last year here at Crossroads, what would it look like if all of us were all in? There's that realization that God will take us as far as we let him. But we've got to take that step. We've got to take that step of faith. And I want to encourage you to go all in. Be relentless in your relationship with Jesus. Don't hold back. I think the worst thing that can happen to us... I, when it comes to our relationship with Jesus is, is we can lose the passion. You can become numb, apathetic to the things of God. I got a dear friend in ministry who tells a great story. His first week at a church that he went to, uh, there was a, a, a funeral service and it was a packed house for a, a lady who had been like a matriarch of the church and they asked him to pray. He didn't know anybody. It was his first week on the job and uh, he was sitting in the front row uh, and his prayer was at the end and he just had his, his legs crossed uh, the whole time. And when he realized it was his time to, to pray, he stood up and realized that one of his legs was completely asleep. It was completely numb. You ever been there and just dead leg. And he tells the story that uh, he said, well, I don't know how to move. And he's having this internal dialogue of this is terrible. I, I think I can walk, but I can't feel my leg. And so he says he swung his leg back and swung it forward. And he ended up doing a high kick and, and fell flat on his face in front of everyone. Had to crawl up on the stage and, and to the podium in front of everyone his first week on the job. And he opened that time of prayer by saying, I'm so sorry. My leg fell asleep. And, and then prayed which I think is fantastic. It's a great story. I laugh at that every time I hear it. But that's what happens when, when we go numb, right? When we become apathetic to the things of God, I want you to be excited. I want you to be a passionate person about the things that God is passionate about. And what he calls us to do, they're not easy things. We have to choose the more difficult path. We have to be willing to step out in faith. But you guys, when we are relentless, when we are all in together, man, look out. Because that's when God shows up and changes everything. I want to encourage you today. Be all in. We've challenged you here at Crossroads. Be all in, all invested in, in, in the mission of Crossroads. What does that look like to, to step up and lead the way in generosity? What does it look like if I'm not only all invested, but I'm all inviting, and inviting everyone I know who's an outsider to experience a changed life, to introduce them to the hope that we have in Jesus? What if I was passionate about that like I'm passionate about other things in life? We've invited everyone to be all involved using your gifts and abilities, the, the gifts that God has given you to serve the purpose that he created you for and to invite people to a changed life, to serve and be a part of what he is doing. You guys, there's no greater joy than that. 
That's where life is lived to the fullest. And we want to be a part of that. We want to see God move in here. We want to see what God is moving, how he's moving down in Ecuador. Guys, I'm excited to announce that in the fall of 2023, next fall, we're going to be taking another trip down to Quito, Ecuador and visiting the people there and helping them plant more churches. Get excited about that and be thinking about, hey, is that something that God's calling me to be a part of? Because we want to go and be a part of what God is doing. And we're inviting John and Shirley to join us because we think that's only appropriate since, well, their daughter and son-in-law took over. Why not give them a, a free chance to come down and, and see their kid? Don't you think we should do that and uh, partner with them? And that, that'd be a lot of fun. But we want to be a part of what God is doing. I just encourage you to think about this question today as we close. Am I passionate about what God is passionate about? Don't hold back. Get excited about what God is doing. Be relentless in your pursuit of who he is and who he is calling you to be. And you guys, let's take a step back and ask that question. What would it look like if all of us were all in? And let's get excited about what he is going to do. I don't want to take for granted the fact today that everyone here already knows Jesus. Every week here at Crossroads, we give somebody a chance to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. And today is no different than any other day. And so as we come to a close today, I would invite everyone here to stand together and just for a moment, give someone a chance here who is desperate for the hope of Jesus, who's interested in what it would look like to experience his forgiveness and his love in your life, to have this opportunity to say yes to him. And so could you just say this prayer with us? If you're sitting here for the first time and you're realizing, I need Jesus, would you join us in saying this prayer together? It's a prayer that changes everything. Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world that you gave your life to forgive my sins and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. And can we just give him the praise and glory because he is the name above all names. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. There's no one like him. And he loves us with an extravagant love. Listen, if you've said yes to Jesus for the first time today, do not leave without coming forward and saying hi to Michelle. She's waving her hand. Come talk to Stu. He's waving his hand. We want to help you take the next steps in your relationship with Jesus. We want to give you a free Bible and help you grow in your relationship with him because Jesus changes everything. And I want to challenge you today. Be ready to take that step of faith with the passion that you have because God has done something in your life that no one else could do. Never forget what he has done. And you guys, let's get excited about what he is going to do. We are walking in the power of Jesus. We are walking in the purpose that he has given us. Be filled with the passion and joy that comes from knowing and serving him. Let's pray together. God, we are so thankful today for who you are, for the incredible love that you have for us, and for the way that you change us. When we encounter you, God, it changes everything. God, help us not forget what you have done. Help us to not become numb or apathetic to who you are and what you are doing. God, you are inviting us to be a part of an incredible story. So God, help us to be willing to take these steps of faith, to step way out of our comfort zones and to just keep saying yes to you because it's in those moments of faith where you show up and you do things that are unimaginably good. And so God, we worship you today. We praise you today because there is no one like you. Thank you for loving us and for being with us. We look forward with great anticipation, God, to what you are going to do. We praise you. We pray this in your name together.